Hello, Katie. Welcome, everyone, to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. Uh, That's not how he normally talks if this is your (laughs) first time here. He's just said it so many times now that he has to change it. I'm trying to find interesting ways to say it. Slow it down. Slow it down this time. Apologies if you just heard a siren as well. Uh, hopefully that won't happen too often. Big crime happening. Big crime happening somewhere. Big crime on the streets of Hangley. <laughs> How are you? I'm uh, enjoying unemployment. It's lovely. As we discussed, I- I'm reading Heidegger or I'm reading someone writing about Heidegger. Having studied philosophy to a master's level, I can um, give the advice to everyone that if you're going to dive in don't start with Heidegger (laughs) (laughs) or start with like a short introduction to Heidegger yeah and then work your way up that's real I'm Um, going down maybe start with Plato that would be (laughs) or as history fans maybe go down go for some Hegel bit of Hegel yeah though also difficult (laughs) yeah yeah another one you need an introductory text to Russell there you go that's a nice um or de Beauvoir Someone oh, yeah. who's kind of fairly modern and um, not too confusing. Uh, but speaking of um, fairly modern, though this isn't modern at all, <laughs> should we speak about history and we, we can should. talk later about other things? Okay, so um, we've done some quite modern ones the last couple. And so I thought I'd go like way, way back to the ancient Egypt. Ooh. Have you ever heard of the younger lady? The younger lady. Yeah, no. clearly you haven't through your voice. Okay, so the younger lady is someone whose identity we don't know, hence the name younger lady. Okay. We don't know anything about her life. We only know about her death. Well, about post-mortem. So let me tell you about her. So basically, the younger lady is an informal name given to a mummy discovered in the tomb KV35 in the Valley of the Kings. Okay. She was discovered by architect Victor Lauré, a French Egyptologist, in 1898. So this isn't like a, yeah, is this like a particularly famous pyramid? Yeah. Uh, so all of the pyramids are named with like two letters and then like numbers. Okay. So KV, tomb Carmine's one is like KV, then two, two numbers as well. So it's a famous team um in the valley of the king so basically all the all the uh, pyramids are just named by their kind of uh, their museum code numbers <laughs> essentially yeah <laughs> they're named by like yeah numbers and letters yeah. so her actual her like informal name is the younger lady but she does have a informal code name which is <laughs> kv35yl for younger lady lovely and currently resides the actual like mummy resides in the egyptian museum in cairo for easy filing <laughs> well i mean <laughs> there's a lot of them you need yeah, to yeah this is true it's got to be some sort of system yeah in fact here's a quiz question for you he was the only author to have a book published under every code in the dewey decimal system oh i don't know do you want me to tell you yeah go for it isaac asimov oh right 
has a book in every code. In terms of discovery, the mummy was found adjacent to two other mummies in KV35. The first was a young boy who died approximately age 10, thought to be Wabens... Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for the pronunciations that are about to happen. It's ancient Egyptian. It's ancient (laughs) Egypt. I'm going to try my best. Wabensenu, a prince from the 18th dynasty... And an old woman who is uh, who has been identified as Tai, who was the great royal wife of Egyptian pharaoh Amenhotep III. Amenhotep. He was pretty famous. Love the Amenhoteps. So she was a warrior. <laughs> she was like the a... Tai. Yeah. She was pretty badass. Nice. Um, she's the other one that was in the tomb okay, with then. the younger lady. Have to check. She's um. Cl- classed as the elder lady or the older lady no should check her out i love a warrior woman as uh <laughs> many of my previous podcast episodes can attest to yeah me too <laughs> just badass ladies and there are lots of them in ancient egypt so and yeah she was uh ty was identified because of a recent dna studies on Tutankhamun's lineage so for context there are about 20 years in between Amenhotep III and King Tut. So just mm-hmm. just to kind of put this in perspective. And this is the 18th dynasty, which is around the 1300s BC. 1300 BC. So three mummies were found together in a small antechamber of the tomb of Amenhotep II. And they were all naked, lying side by side. And all three at this time were unidentified. All three mummies had been extensively damaged, probably by ancient tomb robbers. Bastards. So this isn't very helpful for identification. <laughs> mind the mummies, goddammit, guys. <laughs> there was a sign that said mind the mummies, but it was in hieroglyphs. So. Okay, so a guy called Dr. Grafton Elliot Smith, a British-Australian Egyptianologist, Egyptologist, not Egyptologist, <laughs> provided an extensive description of the mummy in his survey of the ancient royal mummies at the beginning of the 20th century. He found the mummy to be 1.58 meters, which is five foot two, okay. uh, so about an inch smaller than me. For context, for Dan, <laughs> nobody else knows what I am. In height, and judged to have been no older than 25 at the time of her death. He also noted the minor damage done by ancient tomb robbers who smashed the chest and had torn the right arm off just below the shoulder. Jeez. I have seen, like, somewhere that this looked like it was probably deliberate. Like, you know, Mm. there's no way it's going to be accidental, like, tearing off. I wonder, like, what brought that about? Were they just, like, drunk? And it was like, hey, check this out! Let's get into the tomb. No, it might, (laughs) might have been people who were, like, mad at, like... Because obviously this is like people, ancient yeah. tomb robbers, um, so mad at like you know the uh, the lineage. Anyway, Smith also presumed that she was a member of the royal family. Yeah. Presumed, but didn't know for sure. So let's look at the body. There are pictures, and there's also a little video from National Geographic. If you log onto YouTube, you could type in the younger lady, and you'll find it. But I'll just describe kind of what was going on when they found her. Mm-hmm. This is like a little bit graphic, not like blood and gut score graphic, more like medical term graphic. <laughs> so apologies. The younger lady has, she had a first, had like a gaping wound in her left side of her mouth and cheek. So like on her face, it's possible that it had been the result of the two robbers, but 
in more recent re-examinations, it was seen that that particular injury was probably what caused her death. Ooh, so it was pre-death. Okay. There's like a proper <laughs> word for it. Uh, Prior to her death, <laughs> anyway. Pre-mortem, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. So that might have been... Uh, a couple of theories I've seen have been an axe blow. Ooh, um, okay. Or an accident, like, for example, being kicked by a horse. In the face. Oh. Yeah, during like a turret crash, which is some another person's like theory. Uh, okay, is that there was like so that in a chariot. It, that would make her a chariot yeah. rider. Yeah, she was if she was part of the royal yeah, family. Yeah. That's one thing. Below her left breast, there was another wound, which looks like a puncture or stab wound. Again, it could be like accidental, Mm -hmm. could be deliberate, could be from the tomb robbers. In 2003, a scientific team from the University of York examined the mummy. A member of the team realised that the face wound, like I said, had been pre-mortem rather than post-mortem. They also thought about whether or not it could have been an injury during the embalming process. But if that had been the case, they would have found bits of dried bone and flesh in the wound, mm. but they didn't, okay. which means that it was like not during the embalming process, which is, cl- which is something I never thought of, but obviously that's really clever. And it looked violent, mm-hmm. um, which means that some people think it wasn't an accident mm-hmm. like it looked more like it had been like a strike like a strike yeah but again it could- that's still a conjecture we're not gonna know so there's a thing called the egyptian mummy project <laughs> <laughs> which just sounds so much fun and they began an inventory of mummies in 2003 they have almost 600 so far and still counting True to form, Tutankhamun was the first of the mummies to be scanned. <laughs> because everybody just loves King Tut. <laughs> He's the rock star of yeah. Egyptian mummies. <laughs> <laughs> Project used a CT scanner to examine the mummy and basically located very few pieces of relevant broken bones in the sinus cavity. And that was another reason they thought it wasn't mm. during the embalming process because otherwise it would like go up the yeah, nose. Yeah. They concluded that the woman's face had definitely been damaged before embalming and likely prior to her death. So either cause the death or prior to it. So that's another, like, more people who think that that's the reason of the death. I just, like, I don't see how a horse would, like, I guess a horse could kick you in the face. I mean, like, at that kind of, like, only five foot one. Does that kill kind of you, good. though? I mean, like, it would have to, like, break your... Yeah, it would have to, like, yeah, it would have to either injure your brain or, like, break your neck. And if they didn't see any kind of a... Her neck wasn't broken. There was also a missing right arm. And this has caused some controversy amongst researchers. Because it's always these little things that that researchers like to squabble (laughs) about. So, two severed arms were located within the two, KV-35. And either one was thought likely to belong to the younger lady. Because do you remember I said that mm-hmm. the, the robbers had, like, chopped off her arm? Mm-hmm. So one was a bent arm with a clenched fist and one was a straight arm. So it was very typical for Egyptian Roman women mummies to be positioned with one of their arms bent and the other one straight if they were royal because it symbol it symbolised, like, holding a, like, a scepter. Mm-hmm. And the hand that was... Position as bent was the left. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, a guy called Ashraf Selim, apologize if that's not how you pronounce it, and from the Egyptian Mummy Project examined both arms to resolve this controversy. The bent arm was compared to the mummy's left hand and was found to be too long okay. to be on the same woman. So that also the bones of the two arms were compared and they had different inconsistencies consistency in the arms mm-hmm. something to do with, I guess that's something to do with the bones the straight arm was then compared and it was found to be similar length and similar bone density so the project concluded that the straight arm was more likely to belong to the younger lady sp- that doesn't mean she's not yeah. royal I mean the arm could have been pulled straight by like uh, the grave robbers I mean if you mean like wrenched out of socket once you're in rigor mortis, you're in rigor mortis, though, right? I mean, because I like, snap. If you like, if they've like violently pulled out of like socket or something, like yeah, that, could... I, that is true. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so the right arm that was identified as the younger lady has two breaks: one in the upper arm and one at the wrist. And the hand had been severed from the rest of the limb, but they had like the hand. So a finding of lesser importance, but still quite interesting, is that the lady had double pierced ear. I have myself. Many yeah. piercings on my ears. Seven in total. So she was a bit of a metalhead then, is what I'm <laughs> Yeah, from exactly. This. She's actually a rocker. <laughs> However, pierced ears were actually common for women um, with the New Kingdom in Egypt, including royals and non-royals. So that actually doesn't tell us much, even though some people try and claim that it was like, oh, this was because she was royal, but that's not true. Similarly inconclusive was the discovery of a wig in KV35. But again, that doesn't necessarily tell us much. So I did mention earlier there were some CT scans done by the project. And here are some findings that like, were from the CT scan. Following the CT scan, more detailed descriptions were found. Despite previous disputes about the gender, for example, the morphology of the skull and the pelvis confirmed she was definitely a woman. Mm. And that she was between 25 and 35 So even though, like, the previous guy had thought she was definitely 25, it could have been a little bit older, but he was fairly accurate. And, yeah, her height was 1.53 metres from the vertex to the heel. There's no evidence of embalming material on the cranial cavity, i.e. the brain, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit weird. And I'll come on to why. There is an oval defect in the front of the skull. So, like, imagine putting your finger on your forehead like you're right in the middle mm-hmm. kind of like there like imagine wearing a hairband on your head mm-hmm. and the hole is like sharp okay which probably means basically they think it was done during the embalming process okay because embalmers are likely to use sharp instruments yeah. on the skull so that doesn't really tell us anything about identity either the left side of the lower face has a defect involving the left cheek which i mentioned before that's the the kind of horse kick or axe throw or whatever killed her fragments of most of the woman's fractured bones are missing apparently not placed in the tomb so this is interesting because if the facial injury had taken place either post-mortem or during modification there would be fragments of the fracture Mm -hmm. in the tomb with her but there mm-hmm. weren't any, so it was definitely an injury pre-mortem. So okay. more evidence to support the fact that this facial injury killed her. So why why would it be in the tomb? Do they do so? They, they the embalming process takes place inside the tomb. 
They don't like. I don't think so. Okay. No, but I guess they probably keep if they had the things they would keep them with the body, right? Oh, uh, okay then. So the brain and the brain and the insides are, are kept with the body in the tomb. No, no, no. They're not. Let me come on to that okay. one second. <laughs> the lack of signs of healing support the idea that the injury is fatal. So there would have been signs that the you know, mm-hmm. that some healing had taken place. But obviously if it was fatal then there wouldn't your body's mm. dead, so it wouldn't try and heal. Small brain fragments were found within the sinuses to indicate the direction of trauma, which means that the trauma was going like in instead of out. Okay. If that makes sense. So somebody different something or somebody hit her in the face going upwards so heavy object striking the woman's face probably would have had such an effect if not an intentional act then an accident they also said some a strong kick from an animal such as a horse could have done this which would have been acute facial trauma to a living person would cause severe shock bleeding and On top of the facial gelp and partly beneath the remaining skin was rolled embalming pack of linen impregnated with resin. So a similar substance located on the right of the face, particularly on the cheek and the mid face, and more identifiable packs of linen were located in the periphery of the women's orbits, so like on the eyes, and there was also resin in the nasal cavity. So the mouth was filled with linen, but no embalming materials were placed on the throat so basically what it, what they're saying is like it looks like the mummification process wasn't like done as perfectly mm-hmm. as it would have been but it was attempt like there was some attempt there the woman was also missing several teeth during the first the, during the injury oh, okay she was also to have mild lumbar scoliosis which is like a curved spine but this may also have been a post-mortem condition resulting from the position of the body during the mummification process. There were no other birth defects found. Uh, She had a defect on the front of her torso. Basically, and this is what I'm saying about the organs, the internal organs were removed by the embalmers with the exception of the heart. And I think this is relatively normal. Okay. Which remains visible through the body. The embalming incision had been located in the left on the left side and it was 56 millimeters in length and 135 millimeters in depth for some nice gruesomeness there <laughs> the torso contains both linen fibers made with resin and linen packs treated with resin with the one resin treated linen packs placed within the pelvis so we have the left arm of the money which is beside her body and a hand placed on the left hip the right arm has been snapped to the shoulder like i said and they thought they found it the pelvis also contains small postmortem fractures and the legs have also been damaged, which may have been from the two mobbers, may have been during mummification. So the mummification process. Researchers have noted some peculiarities in the mummification process used on the women. The stuffing of the torso with embalming materials were like standard practice during the mummification process of the entire reign of the 18th dynasty. But it wasn't the case in this embalming, with the intact skull base and the lack of effort to remove the brain. So they didn't actually try and remove the brain. Okay. They just, they kept the skull base intact and just like embalmed around it. (laughs) But it was, so this is different. They would have taken out the brain Hmm. if, 
usually during the 18th dynasty. So this is a bit strange. So they made just like a hole in the skull and then just didn't bother doing anything to the brain. Yeah, so all mummies from this later period had some treatment of the brain. Okay, um, something strong. Yeah, so Ian attempts to remove it from the head. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. Okay. Which is weird. Um, so, like, the modification process used on her seemed like a more throwback era. Okay. Which is just, like, confusing. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of know when she's from. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the 18th dynasty. So, why did that happen? Obviously, we don't know. Like, could it be that there was just some guys that practiced, like, old era embalming? <laughs> Like modification processes, and they were like, you know what, we're just going to try Give the that old way. <laughs> because that he, she did have like that um, yeah. hole in her skull, so maybe they tried, and I don't know. It just seems weird. But there you go. She wasn't embalmed the way that, like for example, Tut yeah. would have been embalmed because it wasn't done that way anymore. So was it definitely done? During the embalming process, it wasn't like an example of like trepanning or something. I don't know why they'd want to be doing that, but I don't know what that is. What's that? Uh, it's where you kind of drill holes into someone's head to like. I think oh. they used to do it like ancient times to like allow like spirits to escape and stuff like I that. I see, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a treatment, um, I don't. I have absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea. There's other people that say that the indent was actually caused during their lifetime, like wearing some sort of headband, like Nefertiti, uh-huh. but we don't actually know. So let's talk about the identity of the younger lady. I've been holding back on you. (laughs) There's been much speculation on the identity of the younger lady. Upon finding the mummy, Victor Lorette initially believed it to be of a young man whose mummy's head had been shaved. But on closer inspection, obviously it was confirmed that it was women. And of course, we have done DNA tests. So 20th century, 21st century machinery and... You know, whatever, however they do DNA tests, like with the bones, bone marrow, or whatever, has discovered that this woman is actually the mother of Tutankhamun. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is what they found out. Mama Khamun. Yeah. So Mama <laughs> Tut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, Tutankhamun re- reigned in the 18th dynasty between 1334 and 1325 BC. I always find it so baffling that he reigned for such a short amount of time yeah and how young he was and everyone's like holla i guess it's like it makes him such a tragic character isn't it like a tiny yeah so she is the daughter of pharaoh amenhotep the third and his royal great wife tai which actually shows that she is the full sister to her husband oh who is a mummy in kv55 they were both the children of a Menhotep and I. So they're full brother and sister. So Tutankhamun's parents were full brother and sister guys. Yeah, ancient like Egyptian dynasties were like full on full on incest. Like if we thought like the European dynasties like were bad. Like the the Habsburgs. They were pretty bad, but they were veritably <laughs> So there's been other chat around the identity of mm-hmm. um, the mummy. So even though the DNA shows that it's Tutankhamun's mother, that doesn't rule out it being other people. So this guy called Hermann Schogel, a Swiss 
Egyptologist, Mm -hmm. agrees with the medical DNA findings of the teams, but disputes the identifications of the royal and noble mummies. So basically, he agrees that the head injuries the woman received were lethal and has suggested that she was killed by a chariot crash or accident, which seems to now be like Mm -hmm. the foremost theory. He actually believes, Shogun, that the younger lady is Nefertiti and that she was killed in chariot accident during the regnal year 14 of Akhenaten's reign. But due to archaeological findings of Akhenaten's reign, they actually indicate that Nefertiti was still alive during the regnal year 16. So that doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Also, because of the relationship between Tutankhamun's parents, so the fact that they were like properly brother and sister, that lessens the possibility that the younger lady is either Nefertiti or one of Akhenaten's other wives, Kaya, mm-hmm. because no known artifact record accords titles to either of them as king's sister or king's daughter so okay. it just doesn't work out in terms of like though it could be that we just haven't found anything there are many supporters of the theory identifying the woman as nefertiti they point out the wigs were found uh well the wig that was found and it is similar to the style of nefertiti's wigs although they are fashion items used by women the same era so we can't know whose mm. wigs they were Maybe it was the like two mobbers, they just dropped their wigs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a possibility of the younger lady being Sit Manum, Isis or Hentineb was considered but probably unlikely as they were the great royal wives of their father, Amenhotep the third, and had Akena Ten married any of them, as royal great wives, they would become principal queen of Egypt rather than Nefertiti. Okay. So Obviously, like, pharaohs and stuff had loads of wives, and some of those wives were their daughters, so it's all a bit weird. Yeah. But because we know of Refertiti being, like, the principal wife, then it's probably the case that she wasn't one of these other wives, because otherwise she would have been the principal wife. (laughs) So basically, the report on this DNA concludes she's most likely to be Nabita or Bekitaten, which who are both daughters of Amenhotep III, but didn't marry their father. But he had had eight daughters with Ty, so one of those eight, basically. Okay. So she is probably one of these two daughters he didn't marry, thank God. Um, though she did marry her brother, which is... Bloody or yeah. have Tutankhamun with her brother. So he married six of his daughters out of eight? I don't know if all six, but he definitely married three of them uh, <laughs> queasy 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 yeah i mean they just want to keep it in the farm you know what i'm saying <laughs> okay so they were still some even after all this egyptologists who support the theory that lunga lady is nefertiti proponents of the genetic identification interpret the dna results as being the result of three generations of first cousin marriage rather than a single full sibling marriage. So when they identified her as the mother of Tutankhamun, mm-hmm. that was to do with like the full sibling marriage with her and her brother. Mm. They say it could also result from three generations of cousin marriage, which would make it Nefertiti. Okay. 
I am not a DNA expert by any stretch of the imagination. I have no idea if this is true. <laughs> like, this is real. But there are some people who still think it is Nefertiti. So, there we go. There's a woman called Marianne Eaton Krauss who wrote a book called Unknown Tutankhamun, or The Unknown Tutankhamun. And she called attention to the apparent absence of Tutankhamun's mother from the available historical record of ancient Egypt during the consideration of the younger lady and the early death of a minor wife. As of now, nobody has found an inscription, a relief, or a statue dedicated to the young pharaoh's mother. In KV62... Oh, KV62 is the tomb of Tutankhamun. Mm. I did have it. It contains memorabilia from his life and reign. None of these items ever mentions his mother. This is in starch stark contrast to other influential mothers of the pharaohs of the 18th dynasty who had large presence in their reigns of their sons so like Tia served as the king's mother to Tutmonus IV for example or Tai so as the king's mother to Akhenaten the one that Mm. we just mentioned so it seems likely that Tutankhamun never had a king's mother during his reign indicating that she had died before his rise to the throne. This sends credence to the younger lady, determined to be his mother by DNA, being a minor wife of Akhenaten, her brother, <laughs> who died before Tutankhamun became king. But also Nefertiti is not recorded to have any sons, so again, another strike on her record. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably, like they said, one of his minor wives. His sister. Yeah. So despite the younger lady being a daughter to a pharaoh, Amenhotep III, full sister and probable wife to the second pharaoh, Akhenaten, and a mother to the third pharaoh, Tutankhamun, she does not appear to have been prominent at all during her lifetime. Um, Wilkie Wendich, another Egyptologist, considers it as likely that she was a minor wife or even a concubine, rather than his royal wife, Nefertiti. Okay. So that makes sense. Wendrich notes that the pharaohs of Egypt typically had multiple wives. This often resulted in multiple sons serving as viable heirs to the throne and creating potential competition among the sons to gain the right to succeed their father. So we're nearly at the end here of this, but just the most recent developments are on the 7th of February 2018, the younger lady was featured on a, on the 7th episode of the 5th season of Expedition Unknown entitled Great Women of Ancient Egypt. They presumed that the mummy might be Nefertiti. The team was led by John Gates. They used modern technology and artistry to construct what the younger lady might have looked like in full royal regalia. And the bu- a bust was created by... French paleo artist Elizabeth Danes. If you Google yet the younger lady, like I said, you'll see a National Geographic short film, and you can see the actual mummy. And the guy says exactly what I really want to say <laughs> for like the whole thing was that you can never be sure you like something is someone unless you know for sure. Like the media came out being like we found Nefertiti, and like there, there's an Egyptologist on there saying. It's definitely not her. Like, don't put something out there unless mm. you're sure. And that's just what I wanted to say, really, was that we don't know. It's probably not Nefertiti. It's probably one of the two other women I mentioned. I'm going to repeat their names. Nebatea or Becky Taten. But they still would have been like, 
daughter wives essentially yes they would have been the wife of the pharaoh and then obviously to incoming's mother so yeah that i thought that was really interesting um because i kind of went wanted to do ancient egypt of some kind but i didn't want to do two in Kamun because it was like yeah um everyone's done it's it. just it's overdone and there's no way i could do it a better job yeah. than someone else and then i went i was like maybe i should do nefertiti and then i just stumbled upon this and i was like this is so much fun um when you see on wikipedia and it says like suggestions for like other unidentified bodies i was like "Ooh, i like unidentified bodies <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was a bit of like egyptian true crime <laughs> I, it's so weird, isn't it? I mean, like she, she looks quite. The, re- the records go out. Like, obviously, the records of like uh, of past like Egyptian rulers, it, it like is uh, it, far from complete. So we don't really know how they kind of turned out. But I read about the Habsburgs at the moment. So obviously, they're incredibly inbred, and like it has like quite an effect on them. Like there's a lot of like kind of like physical deformity going on there. But. um yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem to be the case uh, f- from this bust, anyway. Yeah, no. It's also interesting that they're all so kind of closely related. Like there was always, yeah, as you mentioned, like so much like intrigue and like uh, when it came to like uh, who would succeed to the throne, like everyone, like, everyone just used to like kill each other essentially. So there were literally one left <laughs> to try and kill. Not only their brothers, like what essentially just their clones, like yeah. clones trying to kill each other for the throne. Egyptian clones. <laughs> I think we'll just crack the case. Yeah, so from what you, you've you just heard, what do you think? Do you think there's a chance she could be Nefertiti? I don't know. I think it's probably wishful thinking. It's probably uh, when there's other Yeah, so do I. Really interesting. And they did discover that she was the mother of Tut, so that yeah. is, like, pretty cool. Uh, I was holding back on that because I wanted us to be a surprise. Yeah, so what are you doing this evening and for the rest of your free week? I am going to be con- continuing to work on my game. I'm going to I am going to finish it. I have to finish it like next week as my cutoff. And then I have to just put it on the internet and it's over. I'm over <laughs> with that chapter of my life. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Nope. And then I will shamelessly plug it every week on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, people like history if they're here. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, just like chilling out, finishing a book. What are you reading? I'm reading a book called Dangerous Women, which is a historical fiction, and it's out this month, so I will post a blog on it when I finished it. It's about the ship the Raja, which was a prisoner ship to Australia. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was it's good. I am going to do some what well, I really wanted to do lots of exercise this week. But as you know, I have completely messed up my back because yeah. I'm old now and things <laughs> just randomly hurt for no reason. So um, I'm going to watch... Oh, I think I told you, I don't know if I've mentioned the podcast, I'm doing a art history course with the National Gallery. I had the first one yesterday. It was really good. It was talking about Caravaggio and Artemisia and I need to watch week one because I missed which one. So I need to do that. I'm going to do that tonight. And watch Adam Curtis. And watch Big Bang Theory. Big and Bang play Theory? And play on Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, we're watching Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Never seen it before. 
um yeah do all those fun things and it's next week is mother's day everyone quick buy oh mother's yeah god damn it so maybe see my mummy next week we're making our way through the sopranos finally um I've never uh, seen The Sopranos either. It's fantastic. I don't know why it's, t- it's taken me this long to. Uh, we can't do a drama because we're watching Succession. Uh, so once we've finished Succession, which is absolutely amazing, um, then we need another drama. But I think we might try. I've seen all the West Wing twice, but mm-hmm. we might. Um, I might try and get Matt to watch West Wing because it's like my favorite show ever. Maybe after <laughs> Buffy. So. Slightly, slightly obsessed with like uh, the mob. So I don't know why it's taking so long to <laughs> to watch this. But. Maybe do another mobster. We've only I done do, one. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I've got a couple on the list. On the list, <laughs> the growing list. And what's for dinner? Oh, oh, hand chicken. I'm gonna steam some chicken, make a garlic sauce, ginger sauce rather, and then uh, just pack choy. And nice. Then eat that up. It's gonna be tasty. Tasty. We have a curry. Nice. Curry it's, always um, gonna sound well. Matt's making curry so sweet potatoes peppers curry sauce rice uh naan bread one day you should come over when we're allowed Mm. and have the curry while we've got your attention please subscribe to us wherever you're listening to this and leave us a review and five stars if you want to no pressure take your call (laughs) up to you up to you and follow us on the social medias at having your pod on instagram and twitter Yes, which I have been trying to post on every single day, though it's incredibly hard because I don't like social media very much. <laughs> but I'm trying, I swear. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.